Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it is a privilege to be able to come to my congregation here in Dallas and uh, the extended uh, outreach to our Saints Network family across the world. It's hard to believe we're in the middle of the month of December. Christmas is uh, just a week and a half away. And um, I always love this time of the year. But I also recognize, especially since we started to seek after things that were more... shall I say, less than surface in the word, uh, that uh, subsequently our partnership with God as intercessors seems to be, um, over the years, um, less participated in during the holiday season. And I remember from decades ago, trying to warn my congregation at that time, listen, the kingdom of darkness does not take a holiday. Um, Just because we're burning our Christmas lights and uh, we've got uh, celebrations going on, this is certainly not something that the enemy is celebrating. He's probably celebrating with the um, mercantile uh, financial pursuits of people during this time and he loves that everybody's just taking a holiday just like the the Nazis did in World War II in fact today was the anniversary of the uh, inception of the Battle of the Bulge many many decades ago so I love this time of the year but I also feel that it is uh, it's a challenge to keep your focus and to stay disciplined as an intercessor and to stand guard while you're celebrating. Um, This has certainly been a theme that's been predominant throughout this past year. We've been, many of us, taken out of our patterns and routines. Some of you have been able to continue just as you always were. We have tried to do that here, but there are there there have been limitations. And what happens when you break a pattern, sometimes you ignore the reason you have that pattern. And as intercessors, we have to be resilient and vigilant. And so all that being said, we celebrate the birth of our Lord, whether it happened at this time of the year or not, historically, And we enjoy the blessings God has given us, but we have to remain, um, as Habakkuk said, on our watch, and we will stand, and we won't take take a breather, uh, because that is how the enemy lurks and tries to take advantage. So all that being said, As I mentioned on our Saints radio broadcast yesterday, uh, in the morning, God surprised me. Don't you love that when God comes and uh, you're, you're wanting him, but he comes in a way that you weren't perhaps expecting? And it's, it's glorious. It's wonderful. And as he came, in a rather unexpected way at an unexpected time. Uh, and the reason I say that was, you know, I was in my office. I was doing some work. I had some music playing that was really uh, one, of my, uh, one of my favorites for intercessory times. I knew that I was very shortly going to go into the sanctuary for an extended time of prayer so I was fellowshipping with the Lord, but I wasn't, you know, I was praying. You know, you pray always, but I wasn't in a, in a deeper mode, and you know what I mean by that. And suddenly, the Lord just 
started speaking to me and he uh, he put it strongly on my heart that we needed to utilize this time frame in anticipation of entering the new calendrical year and be prepared prophetically to participate in something that is in alignment with his principles in the word, but in real time, in alignment with what he's doing in in the world right now. And he started to impress upon me the concept of the former and the latter rain. And as is the case so often, he dropped a few short words into my spirit, and I recognized that they were parts of Scripture. And as I opened those Scriptures, it just became a revelatory experience for me, and I knew this is where we are right now, and we need to be utilizing these words for the purpose of um, partnering with God in, in, in this really unique season and um, how, we, how we look forward into the new. And I want to just say a word about that. You know, sometimes when I talk about these experiences, I don't say them from a boastful standpoint. That's not my motive. Uh, and anybody that thinks, oh, listen to how prideful he is talking about God talking to him. God should be speaking to all of you. And I believe he is. He that has an ear, let him hear. And when I say, oh, you know, God dropped a few words into my, into my spirit, and I knew them to be in the Scripture. Well, I don't know the Word. Why don't you know the Word? The Word, I've hidden my heart that I might not miss the mark, that I might not sin, that I might not miss the mark of God. We need to be studying to show ourselves approved to workmen, needing not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. You need to know the Word. And the, the, the Bible says that the Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. And so it's not like I'm better than anybody else. It's that the Spirit is going to use what the Bible says he's going to use. And part of that is that you've hidden the Word in your heart. Now, the other thing is sometimes I'll say, well, I immediately recognize this Word. Well, I didn't go to seminary. I didn't, you know, I don't know whose voice that is. Thankfully, it doesn't sound like anybody. But for an Amatikos people, I think the time for us of saying, oh, that's too hard. I don't understand is over. It probably never was here. It's like the kid who sits in a geometry or a, or a trig class or physics class or studying history. And they've not been paying attention. They go home and say, I don't understand the teacher. It's too hard. And then when they get two-thirds of the way through the class and the teacher uses a term, they expect you to know that term by then. You may not have known it when you came into the class initially, but by that time you should have it at a ready, at a ready um, um, re, re, recount in your heart, a ready recollection. And so I'm not trying to diminish anybody, but what I'm saying is that we need to be those that are dealing with the meat of the word. We need to be those that are, uh, our senses have been honed according to what the scripture says to where we could take the strong meat. And the only way you grow and develop is by learning and applying. And so the process I described that happened yesterday morning is available to all of us. God wants to speak. He, he wants you to be sons. You are that in him. And so you need to be ready for the visitation of the Spirit at any given moment. And I admittedly, there are a lot of times that I don't know, understand why God is saying what he's saying. And that materializes as I look in the Word and am remaining open to what he might say, but he uses what I have invested my time in relationship and in study. He uses those things. 
And he can do the same for you. He has done the same for you. So God is no respecter of persons. But in this really unusual season, with the COVID battles and the restrictions and the enemy trying to deconstruct our country and its values in the church, God's still speaking. In fact, where the darkness is, the light comes. Where the gross darkness is, God's light shines upon you. And so we can't, we can't look at scenarios as if they are daunting and just destroying us. Oh, woe is me. We need to be open for what God is saying. So yesterday, the Lord began to talk about the former and latter rain. Now, these terms have been utilized and misutilized and over-utilized in emotional ways. And they, they're just, in so many people's lives, talking points. You know, there was a movement that I, when I was born, uh, it was a Pentecostal movement called the Latter Rain. And it, it was a divine visitation, but it, it became, um, it, it served its time. And by the time it was transitioning, there was a lot of malfeasance. There were people that recognized that if, if you had manifestations or if you created manifestations, you could hoodwink a lot of people. And there are always going to be a contingent of folks who are going after the extreme, and regardless of what it is, they just want a new thing. They're like the Greeks on Mars Hill. And traditional Pentecostals have, um, have often dismissed any kind of move because they're afraid of that. I say, go for what God is doing, but be smart about it. Don't dismiss everything. That's what happened when Brownsville, when Toronto visitation came, the airport vineyard, and then Brownsville was the recipient. There were significant uh, sections of Pentecostal denominations that absolutely dismissed the whole visitation out of hand because they had the, the, the framework of what had happened in the Latter Rain movement and in other movements. So they didn't want any movement. They didn't want God to do anything. They were like, they were like the um, the Pharisees, who believed that God had moved, but they wanted to box it up. And then there were Sadducees who didn't really believe there was any power in God. They just liked the religious structure. And very often Jesus and Paul utilized that conflict between people when they gave answers. To, their trick, to the trick questions, and it pitted people against each other in their, in their own iniquitous pursuits. But we're surrounded by that today in our nation. And then you got atheists who don't believe in anything. But, you know, the point is, is that if we're smart and we study and we stay close to God and we listen to the Spirit of the Lord when deception comes and you find errors in in the deception not in your tradition but in the word then um now what do i mean by errors in our tradition well sometimes our tradition in our histories and our pride in defending them if something new happens we say well it didn't come from us so it can't be of god and you stand staunchly against it um, so we got to be careful with that. But if it's, it's, it's relatively easy to follow the Lord if you're disciplined and you're in relationship with him and you're spending time communing with him. Because very often the enemy will just you know, bring about a lot of things that appeal to your emotions and to your iniquities. And in the midst of them, you'll find something that is not scriptural. And if you find something that's not scriptural, then you pretty much know this is not of God. And it's easy to 
to then say, well, that's really not Scripture. You know, that's, that's your interpretation of Scripture. The, the original that you are quoting from is disputed. And they, to borrow a term, they eradicate that. They deconstruct that. Here's a, some really harsh words that God says at the end of the book of Re Revelation. That if anybody rem removes or alters the word of this prophecy, they're going to answer to God. And there are a lot of deceptions right now that people who know the word just glossed over in order to follow the deception. You know, Satan used the scripture. And the antidote to Satan using the scripture is you being in right relationship with God and you knowing the scripture too. This is how Jesus answered. The very son of God answered the enemy when the enemy was tossing scriptures with the scripture. Jesus could have answered in any way he wanted. He had that right. He could have squashed the enemy right there easily. But he used scripture and the knowledge of the word. It is written. Eve did not do that in the garden because she bought into, you can be his Elohims. You know, he's, he's hiding things from you. There are other words. There are other ways. These trees, he, he's, he's wanting to keep you from that. He's restricting you. He's holding you down. You're repressed. That appealed to Eve. And she bit into it, literally, figuratively. And Adam, I don't know what his problem was. Because... You know, he was obviously out with God doing something. He came back in the, the victory of that and just trusted somebody that was near and dear to him. That could be a problem. If the enemy doesn't get you, um, if, you don't, if you allow the enemy to get you, it'll either be because you bit into it yourself or you trust somebody and you just follow after them, <laughs> which is what we've said. If you know somebody that is touting a thing that is just absolutely against the command of God, you need to come out from among them. I don't care who they are. And God will give you grace there. But if you go along to get along, you're going to be just as deceived. So anyway, I didn't intend to say all that. We've got a really powerful directive from the Lord here. So we're going to look at what God says in the book of Joel and the book of Zechariah about the former and the latter rain. So let's just begin reading. Uh, you have the outline there, or you should, but if, if you don't, don't despair. If you have a Bible, look at Joel chapter 2. We're going to read verses 23 through 27. I repeat, Joel 2, verses 23 through 27. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain moderately. He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that has done wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you will know that I am the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. This is amazing. God gives the former rain and the latter rain. Well, the former rain is, former is translated from the Hebrew word more, which means a teacher or an archer or somebody that has been very specific in their obedience and application based upon their willingness to understand, learn, and do. 
And the Bible says that that former rain is given moderately. This is sadaka, not to be confused with the singer, Neil Sadaka, but that word is righteousness. So what does this mean? I think that we, whenever God wants to do something in the harvest, he begins by people who are willing to plant based upon what he has shown them, what he has taught them, and how they specifically aim for the mark as an archer. And and I am very grateful that God has done that with the saints over and over again. When you deal with the former rain, it is the time for planting. It is the time for sowing the seed, and you trust that there is going to be sufficient watering from God, and um, it's going to help that seed to be established. Now, I, I think that in so many ways, on a large scale, the saints have done this around the world. And we hope that we have done it in sufficient obedience, but we have tried our best to obey God, to go where he says, to sow seeds. Um, and, and again, the, the parable of the sower says that 25% of those are actually, 25% of the places you sow are actually going to be successful and bear fruit. Some are not interested. Other places want the action, but there's no root in them. Others will grow up quickly, establish fruit, but then because they don't prune and because they don't submit their iniquities, the cares of this world pierce that fruit, and it's, it's really a travesty. But then the others, um, which is the 25%, will actually bear fruit. And sometimes as we've gone around the world, we can't judge. We just have to obey. But we wonder, boy, we sowed into this country big time. We did this and did that. And we don't seem in the natural or even in our perception spiritually to be bearing any fruit. And it could be disheartening. Did we do something wrong? What, there's a possibility of that. Did we make a mistake? Did we not hear from God? There's the possibility of that. But Jesus' parable says that if you're batting 250, you're doing pretty well. Um, and in, in baseball, if you're a good defensive player and you bat 250 above the Mendoza line, you, you, you can stick. But really, 250 is Ruthian. <laughs> in the principle of the sowing of the seed. I'm quoting about Babe Ruth, Luke. Um, and so we went and we continue to go, but our mission is as a teacher. And we studied in our Brazilian teaching last week that over and over again, the Lord and the New Testament talked about how that when you establish the terio in obedience to God and you take a stand, your primary thing to do there is to teach and to keep the commandments. And that is what should happen. You should be growing in the understanding of the, of the pneumatikos principles, the deeper things in the spirit based upon the scriptures. And so the former reign is all about that. And the former reign is a teaching reign. It's an obedient reign. It is a sowing after you've prepared the soil, rain, and it's in conjunction with the righteousness of God. Righteousness is, um, is something that we should remember what, what it is. You know, the first instance of righteousness was when God was talking to Abraham and showing him outlandish things and asking if Abram believed it. And when Abram believed God, God said, that is righteousness. And Abram became the friend of God. Righteousness is, um, 
The root of it is vision in, in the Hebrew. And so when we have this sowing uh, the former rain moderately, we see that moderately is righteousness, which means that God is revealing things in your commune with him as friend. And this then is snippets of vision that God gives that you need to watch and, and run with for the time frame. We'll talk about dreams here in a minute, but vision has to be rooted in the overall purpose of God. So the, the, the old ones, the mature ones get dreams, the young men get visions. And so vision without a base of purpose can go haywire. It can go way off the rails. And so if you can have the veteran leadership based upon the purpose of God, and you have vision then that God directs you in, in fellowship and in relationship and in, um, in friendship, then you're walking with the Lord. So you see that here. He's given you the former reign in righteousness. This is the way we have established the functionality of this network. And um, I'm grateful for that. But the problem, if there is a problem with this, is that you've got to be a big picture person because the former reign, the husbandman, the one who watches over the seed, you have to have patience. And a lot of Christians don't want patience. Any apostolic work, you know where I'm going with this, will have the first sign of patience. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Truly the, sign, the works of an apostle will rot among you in all patience. And then signs and wonders and mighty deeds. You don't have those explosive things unless you first have patience. And so if you're going to be a farmer, you've got to be patient. You've got to sow during a time when it seems like nothing's happening. And it may be a good long while before you have any kind of harvest to show for what painstaking, laborious work you've done. So God gives former archer, teacher, rain, which is the sowing, according to righteousness. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Now, let, let's see this too. Not only have we been established in this way, every individual should be established in this way, but the saints have been established in this way. So individually we should be established, all of you. But whenever God begins a movement, or whenever God be, brings in, in inception a concept through which he's going to touch the world, it begins in this way. So, <clears throat> I also think, and this is what God put upon my heart strongly yesterday, that where we are right now in his timetable is in this observance of what has been sown, we continue to sow as teachers. We do it with the precision of an archer, and that's sonship because the arrows of God are as lightning, and the arrows of God, his quiver is filled with suns. We've studied that in the past. You can look it up for yourself. But we as the sons, it's like the timing of the kingdom put us kind of in a holding mode and during this time over this past year we've been sowing we were going out we had a number of major campaigns not only scheduled but people had their tickets hotels were arranged we had groups on the ground in remote locations we were ready to go and that was at the beginning of the year and usually what we have then is added to with many other things that would arise in the timetable of God. 
That was all put on hold. We didn't have a choice. And so we utilized that to pray, to dig deeper, to begin to put together hybrid seeds, the packaging of principles and concepts the, um, uh, that are from the Word, to sow into theaters of operation that God's going to be opening. So this has been kind of like things were halted for a while, and God does that in the Scripture. The Spirit restricted Paul from going places, and we waited on the Lord, and David at the mulberry trees. We've studied about those this past year. It's not always gung-ho, let's go, let's break through. You, you, you don't, no army has that all the time. If you do, you're, <laughs> you're more of a marauding influence. You're more like the Amalekites than you are the army of the Lord. For every breakthrough, there has to be a, per, a Peretz standing in the gap. So God has been doubling down and tripling down on this former reign. And then it says, He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, which again, this is, we already had the former rain, we thought, but then God causes the former rain to come again, and then the latter rain in the first month. The latter rain is the rain that comes with harvest. It gets the soils. It's that last birth, burst of growth um, before the harvest. And we're seeing that now. Now, it says the first month, and for us, we could say, oh, that's January. But if you study, you, you recognize that uh, the Julian calendar, Julius Caesar borrowed his understandings of the 365 days in the year from, the, the, from his relationship with Cleopatra and his involvement in Egypt. And... Um, Subsequently, then, they added months, which, uh, um, you know, December, Deca is 10, so how do you get 12? And they added months to the beginning of the year, you know, Janus, um, January and February, and you had a month named after Julius Caesar in July. The point is that really, which is why we're not trying to get all Hebraic on you, but the, um, the latter rain would come um, at the, really, in, in the fall, in the later fall. The point is that we're already in this flow of the latter rain, and God is stirring things, and uh, there's, there's rain coming down and it's going to continue in God's timetable for harvest. What that means for a timing for our travels and our breakthroughs, we got to wait on the Lord. But um, the floors shall be full of wheat, the fats overflow with wine and oil. I will restore. A few weeks ago, we studied about this shalem, which is a recompense, a restoration, a repayment of what you've suffered in the walk of peace, the walk of shalom, what your assignment is, as well as God bringing forth everything that he promised in that time frame. We, we got that a few weeks ago and taught about it. God restores what has been delayed and lost as a result of your commitment to peace. Um, what the locust has eaten, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. You see, God has allowed things to happen according to his timetable. The enemy may think that he is winning. He always comes to try to muck up what God is doing. He comes in one way before he flees in seven. But he only it only appears that the enemies gained the upper hand. God's in control. Um, so there's that restoration. 
And then it speaks about God dealing wondrously. This is the term palau, which is, we've studied about this. Joshua 3, 5, he talks about this word in regard to the wonders of how God delivered his people. In Gideon, um, Gideon's story in Judges 6, he asked the angel, where are the miracles, the palah? Judges 13, 19, Manoah, Samson's father, uh, saw the angel that rose up in the fire of the, uh, of the sacrifice, the Old Testament sacrifice, and the angel did wondrously, palah. This word is also used to describe the fulfilling of a vow. We talked about the vow a couple weeks ago. God was sharing that with us. Now, we, we've also studied the palal, P-A-L-A-L, which is the type of praying you do in the Old Testament where God gives is your supplic- offering supplication. Study about this. When, when Solomon was talking to God at the, the dedication of the temple, I'm not using big words, I'm using Bible words, over and over and over again, prayer there is palal. It means to make a judgment based upon your partnership with God. That's the way God wants to speak to his people. And so, the pala is is uh, a a word that speaks about how God will move on the base of that, how the angels move in conjunction with that. So here you really have in this prophecy in Joel, um, you have this incredible collection of things that. We as saints have been walking in. And I believe that in this timetable, we need to be looking to say, Lord, this Joel 2, I remind you, is Pentecost promise as well. Um, it's what Peter quoted from on the, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. But we really see that not only have we we've been trying to live this, and the Spirit of the Lord has been teaching on these words, which is what he does. He doesn't just drop a big promise on us in thinking, well, they're never going to understand that. He meticulously, the Spirit guides us into understanding of concepts and principles from the Scripture. And then when a rhema word comes, we can say, I know what this means. I know what this means. I know what this means. And the cumulative factoring of understanding all of those biblical principles allows us to move when God says a word like he's saying to us now. I just think it's interesting that over the past few weeks, we focused on Shalem. We focused on the vow. We talked about Palau for the last two years. We've, uh, we've been applying uh, teaching and meticulous uh, gatherings of the things God's taught us, and in the midst of a time where it looks like God has lost control from a natural perspective. But it only looks that way if you just view it from the eyes of the natural. We're not moved by what we see. We're moved by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Um, So, This is interesting. So let's look at the fulfillment of the latter rain, which is found in one of our favorite passages, Zechariah 10, beginning at verse 1. Ask, Sha'al, ye of the Lord, rain in the time of the latter rain. And the Lord, so the Lord shall make bright clouds. Now, I did not put this in your outline, but bright, is a word that's translated as lightning throughout the Old Testament. So God is loosing his sons as lightning in the time of the latter rain. I love that. You ask the Lord, 
Sha'al, remember, this is the privilege of kings. Sha'al is where etymologically, I don't want anybody to get to choke on this, but, you know, shawls are worn by people over the shoulders. It's kind of like a depiction of a mantle. It's a very personal thing, a very comforting thing. But the sha'al in the Old Testament was also used to describe the, the, the inner garments that people would wear just close to their skin, what they would wear maybe at night when they're sleeping or something that was intimate, an intimate apparel, not a Victoria's Secret thing, but something that we all have warm and cozy stuff that we, that we wear when nobody's around. And, but it speaks of that commune with God that's beyond the mantles, that's beyond the, the armor, that's beyond our, uh, the, you know, our fancy clothes or our regalia in the spirit realm. It's when you are alone with God. And that's where relationship is built. And it's the privilege of kings to sha'al, to ask from that framework. Isaiah went to a king who was uh, wanting to make agreements and uh, worldly connections with Assyria. And Isaiah said, look, you don't need that. You, you, you should not do that. That's not going to succeed. Ask of God. And the king said, I'm not shawling anything. And it irritated Isaiah, and I dare say it irritated the spirit of the Lord, because then Isaiah gave that promise, which is wonderful. Here's your Christmas scripture. I'll give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and will bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Elohim is with you. That's Sha'al, and that's where we are. So we come to this point where we've done everything that we should do in partnership with God in the former reign. And when it's come time for the plan of God or Yahweh, ask Yahweh reign in the time of the latter reign. How do we ask? Sha'al. And I believe that this is what God is doing for all of us right now. He is saying at the turn of this year, I am. I'm wanting you to go into that secret place and commune with me and ask me, Sha'al, according to my plan, plan for this latter rain to come, this rain that's commensurate with the harvest. This is where we are. And the Lord, Yahweh, will give that. He first makes bright clouds. He's going to be energizing you. The strike points where this rain is coming, and you will go forth as lightning, as the sons of the Most High. The voices, the thunders, the lightnings, and the earthquakes. Your voice is raised. You've been before the Lord, and now lightning, you're sent forth, and it will transform the realm. You know, we've studied about this. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But let, we'll, we'll reserve that for just a little bit, just, just further in this passage. But this is what God is wanting us to do. And I, I believe we need to have this perspective because I know this is a rhema word from God. We need to cherish what we've been privileged to do and learn with God. Remember who we are and what he's promised. And we need to gird that up and get that ready. But now we need to, as we look forward now, for the, the, the latter rain to come. The latter rain, which we just read about in, in Joel. The latter rain's coming in the first month. Here it comes. We need to ask from that place of intimacy. That, that place where God knows us. Where we welcome him to know us, where we open the door, we hear him knocking and we let him come in. 
He said to the workers of iniquity, and there are many of them right now who are saying, this is really where God's moving. You know, it's power. We're going to have lying signs and wonders. Yes, if you really want to bless God, here's the way you do it. God says, depart from me. I never knew you. This Sha'al is where you allow God to know you. And then you ask based upon that integral and intimate relationship where he speaks in the still small voice. You say, what does that mean? Remember when we studied about Elijah and the still small voice spoke to him. And what did he say? What did he say? Well, I've heard whole messages on what he said. And it's very interesting, very simple to see what the, the still small voice said. Elijah went to the mouth of the cave and wrapped his head in his mantle. That's what the still small voice told him. He shut out all the noise. He shut out all the nonsense. And he was ensconced. He was surrounded by what God had called him to be, his mantle, why he was on this earth, so that he could hear more clearly what that still small voice was going to continue to, to say. This is where we are. And we ask the plan of God, Yahweh, to release this latter rain. And it's, it's going to come in conjunction with the lightning. The idols have spoken vanity. Their diviners have seen lies and told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because they didn't have a real shepherd. And my anger was kindled against the shepherd, and I punished the goats. Now look, we're seeing that right now. There is a lie. The idols have spoken vainly, and the diviners of what these idols, these demons were saying, are speaking lies. This is happening. Or do you know that? Are you aware of that? They stop being shepherds. The people that follow them stop being sheep and become goats. They want an immediacy. They don't want to wait anymore on God. They want, and they begin to believe these lies. This is happening. God help those that are doing it. Well, what's God say? His anger is kindled against these ones. He's going to punish the goats. Goats will eat anything. They just wander in the wilderness. They're, they're, you know, they're sweet, kind little critters. You know, little kids or kid goats are so cute. <laughs> you know, you go down to the, the petting zoos and you're, your kids will get that hand of pellets and feed those things, but they'll eat anything. They, in God's way, they're the, they're the scapegoat in the wilderness. God will separate the sheep from the goats. The goats go to the left in that prophetic word in judgment time, which means that what left means is I want fulfillment and I want it now. The right follows the prophetic in the timing of the Lord. That's the difference between right and left. And there are a lot of shepherds, former shepherds, who are following demonic lies and they're dividing them and they're guiding away people who should know better, who God classifies as goats. Does he love them? Yeah, there's still time for them to come back. But it disgusts me. This whole thing disgusts me. You want to talk about righteous indignation. People who should know better are listening to demons and they're leading their people astray and God is angered by it. So God doesn't get angry. Read this. He, he gets angry. You can doll it up and call it any other thing. But this is what it means. This is where it is. And I'm telling you something. God is awakening as a warrior overcome with wine, and he's going to smite the enemy on their behinds. That's the Don Potter song, but it's from the scripture. That's coming too. 
So you goats better get back in the fold and you better repent of all the nonsense that you knew better that you swallowed. You need to ask God to cleanse it. And you need to ask for the blood of Jesus to deliver you from that deception. Don't let any of it remain in you and get back with God and do the first thing, the things that you know God has asked you to do. Boy, I preached there for a minute. I better get back to teaching. So what's it say? The Lord of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and have made them his goodly horse in battle. This is goodly hod, which is H-O-D, which is honor. And remember, we studied about that many months ago, what honor really is. There were some that were talking about honor when they were deconstructing things. Oh, we want to speak kindly of those who've helped us in the past, those old fogies that aren't woke. That's not honor. This word honor means that you become imprinted by something. And you become more like a signet to represent what that thing means. You do this by embracing what God is doing. You become sons. You know, people saw the disciples and they said they've been with Jesus. That's what honor is. It's time in the New Testament. You invest your time and your efforts and you become what God is. You represent your Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's because that was divine honor. So you're being this type of horse in battle. We're providing service to the Lord. We're waiting on him to ride. And we are his goodly horse in the battle. And then, out of him came the corner. That's where you sow, the pinna. You sow there. You take a stand there. It's it, the, the, These four principles align with the four ingredients of what true prayer is, what incense is. David said, my prayers arise as incense before God. In the book of Revelation, the Bible says that the prayers of the saints rose as incense before the nostrils of God. So if you really want to be praying, you align with those four principles of intercession. But it's also voices, thunders, lightnings, and earthquakes. The voice is raised in contrition, then you're drawn up into the secret place of thunder. You are communing with God, being imprinted by him. And then lightning shines forth, and then it strikes the earth, and it turns the world, as the Bible said of the, of the disciples. Those who have turned the world upside down have come nigh unto us. The voice, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, the corner, the nail in the secret place, secret place of thunder, the battle bow, that archer's bow, and the oppressor, the mighty man, that strike point of us making the impact. There it is. So you've got asking in the time of the, the latter reign from a position of positional and relational authority. You recognize that there are lying influences of the demonic, which are deception and false purpose. You see the, the attempted scattering of shepherds themselves and them scattering their own sheep. You find God being angered at that. He will punish the goats. I don't know what he's going to do with the shepherds that did this. You have the visitation of honor being imprinted by God and waiting in his timing as a horse in battle. Two things from our study of the horse in battle from ancient days, the cavalry days, is number one, they need to not be spooked by what's going on around them, the noises, the, the shouts, the explosions. And they need to go where their, where their um, cavalry rider wants them to go and when. Not turn tail and run away or head for the barn. We've got we've to be diligent to represent our Father no matter what's going on around us, and we wait for his timing. Um, and we don't try to buck him off. 
Uh, don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching good. I love this fifth verse. They shall be as mighty men which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in battle. They shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be confounded, ashamed, confused, disappointed, to dry up. There's going to be a lot of people in the days to come who either were not doing what they were supposed to do or were just not doing anything. Those courses of action are going to dry up. They're going to be ashamed. They're going to be confused. They're going to be disappointed. But I'm not judging them. I'm just saying what the Scripture says here, what God's view of it is. So this is where we are, the former and the latter rain. This is real time, and I'm not saying this is the end-time visitation. What I'm saying right now is this is a biblical principle, and we in our saints' movement and our responsibilities in our nation and around the world is to align ourselves, to align ourselves with what God's doing. So how do we do that? First of all, we recognize this, not just because Pastor Ron's saying it. It's because this is what the Word says. Secondly, with all these things, we need to come into that intimate place before God, and we need to ask Yahweh for this latter rain, because that's what's necessary for the release of the lightning clouds and the showers of rain and this is a big description, a very clear depiction, a depiction and a description of what we're facing right now. So here's what I believe we need to do with this. I think that since Christmas time is upon us, it's 10 days away, less than 10 days away. I think that what we need to do is to spend time in Sha'al before the Lord. Don't start declaring and decreeing and going swinging your swords. We have been given this moment of understanding. Let these scriptures find a deep place within you. Study them. Remember the principles begin to ruminate upon them and commune with God regarding them. That's why this Sha'al is here. It could have said Palau the Lord, but it says Sha'al the Lord, which means there needs to be an intimate time between you and him. Take these days to let this saturate you. Bathe your times of intercession with this understanding. And then... Once the Christmas holiday is over, we will begin reaching out in ways for our network. We'll be suggesting in commune with our network churches, prayer groups, what we should be doing in fivefolds and gaining a clear picture of how we need to mount up and we will enter the calendrical new year with a focus and with declarations based upon a season of intercession, knowing intercession, knowledgeable intercession, and this waiting is essential. It's crucial in battle. Choose wisely your, your place and your timing. It's essential. Patience is essential for the apostolic word. Patience and, and waiting is essential for the Sha'al. And um, it's, it's really an interesting moment. Now, yesterday I said, I thought when I first got this yesterday, I thought, Lord, there is no way you want me to ask people to do much during the Christmas holiday. Because I just know over the years... That doesn't work very well. Yes, we still pray, but you don't. Now, God could do this in future years, so I'm not saying it's never going to happen. But for this, my initial thought was, 
I'm not going to put trying to put together five folds and all kinds of things at Christmas week. That's a that's a prescription for failure. And I felt like the Lord agreed with that. So then I had the conundrum of so why am I getting this word now? And as I looked at these scriptures and what I've said today is for the purpose of you in your quiet time, you're going to have a lot of this if you choose it over these next two weeks or the next 10 days. Spend time before the Lord. Study these principles. Begin to thank him for what he's done in the former reign and thank him for all of these blessings. They're, they're just populated here. How many signature words and terms are in these promises that are deep pneumaticos understandings? Revisit them. Nourish them. Nourish your system through digesting them as strong meat and position yourself for the prophetic directives that are being, going to be coming for group prayer. Now, I know some of you well enough to know you're going to go ahead and do fivefolds. I caution you to be that goodly horse. You know, in football, we understand what happens when some one when a defensive lineman gets a sack in their eyes and they jump the gun. The whole team's penalized. There are times that we know from warfare that some groups in the battle line looking for glory break out before the rest. That, that is destruction. It puts the whole army in, in, um, in harm's way. So please restrict yourself. There's no bonus for getting there first. We're an army fit for battle. And this, this is battle warfare and it's harvest warfare. So know that God is inviting you to a commune, a bivouac, as it were, with high command. And you wait on the Lord in an intimate place. And as God speaks, we'll launch a few things in that week following Christmas. And we will, I don't know, I, I, I've got to hear from God. I, I'm giving you what I've heard from him right now. And the directive I have is I know he's going to do these things, but the point of direction that I have right now is Sha'al, this. It's exciting. This is wonderful. But find those times of commune during this hectic moment and wait on the Lord. Study to show yourself approved. Apprise yourself of the teachings concerning these words from the scriptures and position yourself for what God will then ask us to do. Now, when will we have a big declaration from the network, from, from our saints' family, this army of saints? I don't know. It may be the first week of, of January. I, I don't know. I don't want to get too far ahead. I'm just doing what he says right now. And you ever hate that? If you have some people in your church or maybe kids or grandkids, not so much grandkids because they, kids. What? Why? What are we going to do next? Just do this right now. So many people don't want to walk with the Lord because they want to know everything. So we think every time a miracle happens in Scripture that the people who were participants in that miracle had an advanced copy of the scriptures so they knew what God was going to do and and then that justified their willingness to buy into it. Well, here's a news flash. How many times in scripture when God told people at, ju at juncture points of timing to do something, what he actually then responded in miraculously was outrageous. Nobody knew it was coming in that way. You know, those people in the upper room, they, I don't think they, I don't know, but I don't think they envisioned tongues of fire and um, wind. 
You know, we, we might know that from what Peter preached on. He preached out of Joel 2, which is just where we were. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit in the last days upon your sons and daughters, and the old men will dream dreams, and your young men will uh, see visions, and, you know, your sons and daughters will prophesy, and you'll have, uh, I'll pour out my spirit upon the handmaidens and, and servants. And that's what they were getting in that upper room. And it was true. It is true. And how do I know that? Well, I would just think that Peter, being the simple man that he was, if God had been telling him about Isaiah 28, stammering lips in an unknown tongue, that's what he would have quoted. He delivered what the Spirit gave him in the midst of the moment. And it all worked. It was all right. But anyway, so let's just do this. Sha'al. Exciting, isn't it? It's great. Heavenly Father, I release this word, and I pray that all of us will do what you're asking of us, and I pray that we will know you in a deeper way than we ever have. We want more of you. You have been so good. Spirit of God, you are our teacher. You've been guiding us into things that have been hidden, You into all truth, aletheia, things that are no longer hidden. I thank you for this, Father. I am amazed at the, the living word which having been raised over 60 years to study the scripture, been trained in it, that you could speak things out of your scripture that I've never seen before and keep on doing it is wonderful. Thank you for this. Help me, help our pastors, help our leaders, help our churches, help our individual intercessors in strategic locations around the world and help those that we've not met yet that you're going to bring us into close harmony and alignment with in this year. Let us be pleasing in your sight, Father. Thank you for this. I declare the blood of Jesus, continue to do so over all of us. You're about to launch us as you did with uh, the children of Israel in that first Passover, your blood protecting them against the, the, the plague which took out the upper echelon of Egyptian society, the firstborn, and you're going to loose us as your firstborn. Let your blood continue, vaccine or not, to protect all of us and to strengthen us and to inspire us to serve you. Let that be upon us. We love you, Father, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. The privilege to be able to reach out. I say Merry Christmas to you. We continue to say that. Thankfully, we pray that in the new administration, that won't be in the crosshairs again. But we're going to say it anyway. And um, God bless all of you. Merry Christmas. We'll see you for a prayer primer uh, sometime, probably Friday. Um, and we'll be back again. Oh, next Wednesday, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service. No, 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 no. Forgive me. Next Wednesday, we'll be back here for Wednesday Night Live. Christmas Eve will be on Thursday night. We'll have a Christmas Eve service, and we'd love for you to be part of that. So um, we'll announce more about that on Sunday. So God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate being able to stand with you, my dear saints, brothers, and sisters. Much love. God bless you. Goodbye.